Dear, we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard Hey, good morning, guys, and uh, welcome to Behind the Beards. Um, here on Behind the Beards, we pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, uh, and do our best to reveal the things that you need to know about your ministers and your ministry leaders. I'm Josh Fowler, a uh, preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, my partner and co-host, Aaron Partlow in Topeka, Kansas, does some youth ministry up there. And joining us today, we got a special guest, Steve Partlow, no relation. Um, no relation. No relation to me, anyway. Oh, yeah. um, uh, now we're Steve, brothers in Christ. That, that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, Steve is an elder at uh, in the Oregon City, Oregon. So, Steve, Aaron, man, it's good to have you guys with us. What's uh, what's going on with you guys today? Oh, well, just sitting here. I had to get up early. <laughs> it's, I it's used to get up at, at you know five o'clock every morning for. Almost 35 years, and then I retired in April. So this was getting up early today to get ready for this. But I'm so glad to be here. You're two hours behind us, right? You're in the Pacific time zone. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of bath time with Sam because that's when Aaron calls. And so <laughs> I get to watch him splash water on his dad. Nice. And, uh, but, yeah, that it's, it, that's, been a, that's been a good positive thing. Um, a hundred years ago, I wouldn't know my grandson, but I get to know him through this modern technology, and so that's a blessing. FaceTime is a, a, a modern miracle, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. We catch ours from uh, across the world. It's usually about the time we're going to bed, he's yeah. eating lunch. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, they're going to call mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we'll catch, you know, it's afternoon for him, but it's 2 a.m. for us, and so... Yeah. It sounds always on. So when you hear that ringtone, it's like, oh, Dustin's calling. So yeah, get up in the middle of the night to talk, but get to see their faces. And I can't, uh, you know, military life. I can't imagine how <clears throat> families did it without being able to see it. You, know, you did it because uh, you made do with what you had. But yeah, it's just nice yeah. being able to see that face. So. Yep. Aaron, what about you, man? What's new in Topeka? I was just trying to think of what is new in Topeka and um, not really anything. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we actually just got our Christmas tree up uh, about a, right after the last show. So last week we kind of put it up. So um, took us a while, but we are now officially decorated for Christmas. Is it a live tree? Um, it is not a live tree. Um, so we have a fake tree and I love it. We actually, so this is great. Um, we got this fake tree and it has the lights built into it even. That's so what I, I just, I just <laughs> plugged the tree in and we're now at a point where we're like, we don't need to put ornaments on it. <laughs> We've got two cats and a two-year-old, like things break. Yeah. We'll just leave that box upstairs. So now we don't even put ornaments on it. Now it's just a glorified nightlight. Yes, um, <laughs> which is like wonderful, and so we leave it on at night, and uh, I turn it off during the day, and when we leave the house and things like that. But um, so it's great, but it is wonderful to have your two year old walk up and say, "Dad, our tree is beautiful," mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and so that's always really good. But that's just kind of funny. Uh, 
I think it was Good Morning America. They were talking about, you know, how to keep your trees alive when you bring them in. We, I've never uh-huh. had a live tree. Hmm. My mom had allergies and Heather has pretty severe allergies. So live trees have never really been in the in the cards for us. But they were talking and they're like, well, if you're early putting your tree up, um, here's how you keep it alive. I'm like, early? My tree's been up for weeks. Uh, right. <laughs> and here in Louisiana, the cool thing is you don't have to put your tree up until sometime in February or put it away until Mardi Gras because they have Mardi Gras decorations that you just change out the Christmas decor for Mardi Gras decor. So oh, you get to keep that tree up for a while. Yeah. That's yeah I know people used to hang little red hearts on their trees for February. You know, it had the little trees that just didn't take them down and then there'd be clovers up there in March and, you know, lazy people. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to do that with my Christmas lights. You know, if we could just find some way to make them change colors, then I don't ever have to take them off. The I was house. just saying nowadays you can just get those LED ones. And yep. Yeah. Then you just don't ever have to just have the that's what I have actually up here behind me. You guys can't see them, but I uh, change them all different colors all the time. Our tree lights just have a setting where they rotate from green and blue and yellow and red. And, uh, yeah, uh, son-in-law chimed in. We've had our tree up for a couple of weeks. There's two ornaments on it. So, <laughs> but the lights are really nice. The lights are really nice. <laughs> so the whole family event here, I guess. I guess so. Man, Steve, we're really uh, glad you've been able to join us today. Um, in case you can't tell by the name, Steve is, is Aaron's father. So I'm going to look forward to hearing at least one good Aaron story here during our time together. Uh, you can save the others for a future reference because, you know, if Aaron doesn't like it, it can just be you and me here. But uh, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> how quick. So, how quick. Yeah, that's right. Abandon, abandon ship, buddy. Abandon ship. <laughs> loses the beard, loses his partner, you know. <laughs> uh, so, so just tell us a, a little bit about yourself before we get rolling and talking about elders and church stuff here. Tell us about yourself, your journey, your life in general. So, Well, I, I mentioned earlier, I spent, just retired after almost 35 years of delivering mail. And, um, one of the things that kept me from ever wanting to go into supervision of any sort or two things. One, I really liked what I was doing. I liked meeting the people. I liked the work. I didn't have to bring it home with me. And I'd had a small experience in, in supervisory position that just wasn't enjoyable. But the other thing I was really involved with church and the kids stuff. And, um, so I always had a day off. They were rotating. Early on, I was able to manipulate things around where I could get to ball games and stuff like that. So it was, it, it was you know a good job for me, you know, do the same thing every day, very repetitive, but works with with my DNA, and and so uh, and I was just raised. My mother was very involved in the church. In fact, we have a <laughs> Church of Christ tradition that goes back more than 120 years. Uh, on my dad's side, my I think it's three. My great 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 grandfather and my great great grandfather uh, were the first uh, two of the first elders in the oldest continuous Church of Christ west of the Mississippi, and so and from that family has been hundreds of of elders and deacons and preachers and missionaries and and on my mom's side it's the same thing. This long tradition. So I I was raised in this tradition, and my mother. 
<laughs> there's four of us boys and she wanted four preachers <laughs> and man i didn't want to be a preacher <laughs> i mean they study all the time and you got to get up and talk in front of people and every sunday you got to preach and that didn't sound like fun at all and <laughs> and then i then i heard this sermon from from dick yady and uh they may be familiar. He's the founder of World English Institute. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I think I had, I was baptized when I was 12. So it was right around this time, you know, and, I'm, and he talks about, you know, well, it's really important that we train our young men to want to be preachers, but it's just as important to train our young men to be elders and deacons. We need this kind of leadership within the church. Boy, a light went on in my head, you know, because after all, elders don't study and they never preach and, you know, <laughs> but it sounded real good, and it got me out of that preaching thing. I didn't have to go to school and be a be a uh, you know biblical studies major per se. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm very happy. I did go two years of college, and I I got to Bible classes with E. W. McMillan and uh, J. P. Sanders and some other uh, godly men. Um, and and that helped that that helped develop me to be uh, be an elder uh, kind of thing. You, you have to have mentors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could I could list. There's Heston Havens was an elder in a church I I grew up very accessible to young people. Um, there wasn't anybody. First of all, didn't have car insurance through him. He sold State Farm insurance, and so I think with that kind of. Uh, background he he was just easy to talk to and everything um there was a, a evangelist that, uh, named marvin peg and he was like another spiritual dad i mentioned dick 80 and i talked with these uh, these people when i was first approached about being an elder because i was so young i was probably first approached when i was about 39 or so by my father-in-law and he, you know, I, I'm just too young, you know, mm -hmm. just too young. And um, then it came up again and pulling a little Moses there. Yeah. I can't you speak. Know. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to me. You are the reason. Young. I thought, and this is, this is why I was thinking, I said, Aaron's not even a Christian yet. And I just felt, you know, at this point, I, you know, cause he was young. I go, um, well, he would have been nine years old when I was first approached. And I just thought, boy, that's that's going to be hard. If that, that one goes sour. Would be hard. What, what's that? I said, <laughs> if, if that child goes sour. Oh, yeah, well. Short there, were, there were people that thought, you know, well, he's not a Christian, so that means you're not qualified to be an elder, you know, kind of thing. And, and um, I didn't quite believe that, but I could see their point. You know, this this could be an issue. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the next time around, it was my father-in-law again. <clears throat> and I looked and I, and I talked to Kayleen about it, my wife, and we, and we prayed about it. And I looked at it and I thought, he needs a rest. You know, he needs a rest. And so I contacted some of these men. And uh, Marvin, he said, he, he, he talked, I talked to him about it. And he goes, what was the life expectancy during, say, the book of Acts of people? And I said, oh, 40 was an old man. He says, exactly. He says, our concept of age is so much different than theirs. I said, 
just consider that. They said, it, you know, 2,000 years ago, you're an old man. And you've got experience. They said, and he says, you've got people to help you. God will watch over you. I said, don't be afraid kind of thing. And so, so I accepted, and it was just after my 41st birthday. I'm 62-plus, so 21 years, you know. And I served as a deacon before that, so it's been a long, uh, continuous journey. Um, there, that about filled up one whole show, right? So we can just hey, close out and go. That's right. So <laughs> this has been Behind the Beards, Aaron. You want to sign us up? <laughs> oh, um, it is probably uh, it's that it's that part of of church life that mm -hmm. is that is so essential to to healthy bodies to healthy congregations. Mm -hmm. um, but when it is running properly, it may be the least noticeable aspect of church life. Yeah, um, I was going to say so, it, for me, it seems like sometimes there's like this veil. Uh, you know, uh, and I think that there's this cloud. Um, uh, I don't know if I should say it like my dad or should like Steve, but like my dad said, you know, when he was he was younger and he was first approached like, oh, I, I'm not old enough. I'm not qualified. And it makes me, you know, I say this a lot and I've said this a lot recently that the older I get, the more I connect with some of these stories in the Bible. Um, mm -hmm. Like the more I just go. Man, I just did that. And I like I wasn't joking. Like that's a Mo a Moses moment, right? Uh, you know, where he's like, you know, God's like, "Hey, I need you to do this." And he's like, "Well, I'm not qualified for that." And mm -hmm. I I think we have a lot of people um in the church who who are qualified to serve as a deacon uh and to serve in those capacities or to serve as an elder. But there's this mindset and maybe it's maybe it's connected to the corporate world. You know, well, I don't have enough experience hmm. for that job. I don't have enough experience. But it's 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 kind of like you said, like you you become a you become an elder. You're already uh, if somebody's noticed and approached you, then you're probably already doing. Uh, you know, you already have a flock. You already are shepherding. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, um, I I tend to like stay away from you know qualifications of an elder to mm -hmm. qualities. Mm -hmm. uh, of an elder. Um, you know, again, I think we get into a checklist and I think that gets us into a corner. Uh, and so it's just kind of, I don't know, it just makes me like really think like when I think about elders and, and shepherds or, or pastors and all that kind of mentality that there's this veil sometimes where we're like, oh, well, I can't approach that. You know, that's too holy. And then we, again, we've done the same thing that we do to some of our ministers, which is what we're trying to do here on the show is kind of reveal like that ministers are humans that shepherds and elders are humans too. Uh, you know? Yeah. And I started to ask this question and I started to preface it by saying, you know, we have several people who watch the show who just aren't familiar with right. um, the church at all. Right. So you ask the question, what is an elder? And you think, well, that really needs to be answered for those who aren't really familiar with the church and the way it functions. Yeah. But then I got to thinking about it and it's, and I thought, I'm not really sure that a lot of people in the church know yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah. what it is um, that calls someone into that kind of a service. So yeah. uh, you want to talk about some of the, the duties, the call, the responsibilities that that you kind of have on you as a, as a shepherd or as an elder. Yeah. And I, I would preface too. I, I want to say something reason 
I guess my mindset, I my mindset was at a young age, this is what I wanted to do. Mm. Okay. And that that's that can be a little different. I mean, I I'm not sure when it hit Aaron when he wanted to be a youth minister, what age exactly or what, but I know my youngest brother, who is a, a preacher in Ohio, that Ohio, he is like eight or nine years old. He wanted he knew he wanted to be a preacher, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, my mindset, you know, at least by 12 or so, I knew, you know what, I think I can do that. I want to do that. And so I had that mindset in my quote unquote calling. It just hit earlier than I expected, you know, uh-huh. and, and that's the whole thing. You know, uh, God's ways are not our ways. You know, I thought 45, God said, no, 39. And then he said 41, you know, he gave me a breather there, but, um, uh, you know, so I was prepping for this, but I wasn't, you know, they caught me off guard kind of thing. Um, so, so what are the duties of a shepherd? And I use shepherd, you know, um, there's great passages, um, you know, in first Timothy and in Titus, you know, it, it talks about the qualifications we call them. Aaron, I like what you said, qualities of, um, but in uh, in Acts, when uh, I think it's, is it chapter twenty two or twenty three, you're gonna have to help me out. Paul calls the elders from Miletus, right? Mm. And he talks with them because he's going back to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows that there's some bad stuff going to happen to him. But but he calls these, and within that passage, Paul uses three different words as he addresses the elders, and those words are not titles, but they're descriptions. Right. Yeah. And, and I like what Ron Murphy, he's uh, our, our pulpit minister, and uh, he's also one of the shepherds, but he says, we're just little shepherd boys. You know, we don't own the sheep. You know, I've always said that we don't own the sheep. We take care of the sheep, try to build mm-hmm. the flock and turn it over to the next set of shepherd boys in, in better than, than how you got it. That's in my mind. And so when you are responsible for taking care of people, uh, you know, (laughs) you don't get a big stick and beat them to get them where you want to go. You've got to conjole. You've got to pull them along with you. You know, this is okay. We're going to go this direction, you know. Um, And so this is this mindset. uh, There's a lot of us that have a lot of people have this corporate mindset. There's some skills you can learn in the corporate world. But unless you're willing to get on your knees and wash feet, mm-hmm. you might not be ready to be an elder, be a shepherd. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, this picture of the shepherd pulling them into the, the pen area and, and inspecting each one one at a time. Mm-hmm. What a mindless job, you know. What, what a boring job. Oh, found a tick on this one. Oh, you've got a cut here. My goodness, what did you get into? You know, kind of thing. This is the mindset, you know, of I got to take care of these because they don't belong to me. They belong to someone else. And that, of course, is the chief shepherd. So I, you got to have this mindset that you don't own the sheep, but you are responsible and need to take care of them. And you better love the sheep like they are yours. Yeah, it's uh, maybe part of the reason we misunderstand um, kind of a lot of what, you know, our, our shepherds are called to do is because not very many of us have been shepherds. Um, <laughs> it literally uh, not very many of us have walked with a shepherd 
or walked through a, a, a flock of sheep, you know. And so our only experience with any kind of um, authoritative role has come in the business world. And, mm -hmm. and so because we haven't experienced this other side of it, we just kind of default to what we know. Um, but when we really see the way a shepherd works, I mean, I like that image, like you said, of um, I hadn't even even thought of the inspection process. Right. Every sheep that comes, right. make sure yeah. they're in good shape. Yeah. Make sure they're not cut. Make sure there's not something that's going to create disease. Um, because that image we have of 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 the good shepherd, you know, he knows his sheep. He calls them all by name. And not only does he call them by name, but they know his voice. And so yeah. there's this very intimate relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. Oh, wow. Well, exactly. Well, and, and when you said that, it, like, it made me really like, I don't know, it was really rich to me because I was thinking of that inspection process, like, if there's something wrong, oh, you have a cut. Oh, what did you get into? You know, it's 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 this whole idea of like you are so valuable to me. Yeah. Like, and oh, I want to take care of you. And it's you know, you don't shear your sheep wrong, and you don't do this, you don't mistreat them, you don't because they're so valuable to you, and you want to take care of them, and the, and you want the best for them. And the more you the more you dwell on that idea, the more like. Uh, uh, you know, it, may, it makes me think of a lot of the shepherds that I've worked with um, and, and things like that, where, you know, you see how concerned they are about people in the congregation and how, you know, their first mindset is, hey, I'm, I'm going to go serve them. I'm going to go call them. I'm going to go talk to them. Uh, I want to go there. I want to be there. I've been reading this book. Um, I wish I had it up here uh, called Canoeing Up the Mountain. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he it's all about this idea of of being shepherds and, and being elders in, in 2020. And, and what does it look like? Um, you know, and, and we're at a place in ministry where, you know, where Lewis and Clark were, you know, they had to get rid of the canoes, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that, that they wasn't going to help them uh, where they were going, you know, there was no river. So there was no reason to carry the canoe. Um, and it, it talks about that, uh, that kind of that same idea that um, uh, they says elders and ministers, uh, your first priority is if you hear something's wrong or you somebody has fault against you, the first thing I do is I set up a meeting. Hey, let's go grab coffee. Let's go grab breakfast. Let's go grab lunch. It's not, well, I'll write them an email and see how they're doing, or I'll send them a text or something. It's I'm going to go meet them face-to-face -face in person and have a conversation with them because this isn't the corporate world. This is church, and I love them, and I want them to know I care about them, and I'm going to do whatever I can to fix that relationship and, and to walk alongside them and be there for them. And the only way I can do that is face to face. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like, when I read that, I was like, that is so true. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, that's so true for as a youth minister, that's, that's what I strive to do. Um, you know, in youth ministry, that's why it's so difficult right now because I can't see the kids. I can't be there with the kids. You know, yeah. I, I can do Zoom with them, and there's a lot of Instagram messages. There's a lot of text messages and things like that, but it's just not the same. Uh, and so I can only imagine, like, as a shepherd, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with families, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's 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 hard. We are doing uh, Drive Up Church, and uh, we stream it live, but we also you can come and drive up, and what's funny is, after services, everybody's out of their cars, masks on, you know, of just course. because people want to be with other people. 
kind of thing. We've got, got one sister comes up and goes, we don't have to, but we, can we hug? <laughs> you know, and uh, I've got no fear, you know, I, you know, so uh, she always gets a hug and anybody else that wants to, you know, a lot of fist bumping and things like this, but, but we're, uh, that's the way we're built. You know, it's not good. that Man should be alone. Right. Right out of Genesis. And uh, so that's, that's part of this is the difficulty during this time to try and shepherd, you know, and, and you are doing more emails and phone calls. Maybe you're sending cards and things like this. It's just a really weird time and there's no manual for it. You know, we're writing the manual as we go. Um, so what, what would you think are like some unique challenges, uh, some unique challenges that elders might face that some people might not think or know about, you know, we talk about this veil um, and then sometimes we just don't, I mean, honestly, there's sometimes there's just unknown of of elders, of deacons, of ministers in general. But what are some unique challenges that you can think of? Well, I'll start with first of all, it's not a challenge per se, but what uh, I want to make sure this is important because you guys understand this. But you better have a good wife. Mm-hmm. You better have somebody that's in this. Um, my. <laughs> My my wife was the daughter of an elder, and now she's the husband of an elder. You know, and uh, or the the wife of an elder, so the the daughter of an elder and a wife of an elder. I said that right, I think. I don't know. <laughs> we'll clean that up in the edit, right? Yeah. But anyway, you've got to have you you can't do any kind of ministry work without a very supportive spouse. Mm. And I I think I think that's, that's one of the things that may not may not come through, you know, kind of thing, because when I want to beat my head against the wall, she's putting a pillow there for me to hit, you know, kind of thing <laughs> to make sure I, I don't do any damage. I get good counsel uh, from my wife because she's a godly woman and um, she wants, she wants what's best for the church also. And sometimes that may be gently saying, are you sure you want to do it that way kind of thing? Yeah, so Paul should have said to Timothy, he needs to be the husband of one really good, strong wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think that really comes through in Titus where they had a problem with polygamy, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, when you understand that about where Titus is and in Crete and this kind of stuff, then you really understand uh, the dynamic there. But right. I think that's, that's something that people may not uh, realize and understand that, that's that's number one. That is number one. Ha- have that support. Have the the person there uh, who, like you, is you know every time the door is open, she's there, uh, is involved. Um, you know, my wife has been the church secretary for uh, it's got to be close to thirty years. We're not even sure. I can't even remember when we when she was first asked to do that. I I was just I was was a deacon. I wasn't the elder, so I didn't quote unquote hire her uh, kind of thing. But she does so much more than just a church secretary. What she does is stuff that she is good at and and can do. So she's the church secretary, but she's added all these other things she does that the next secretary won't do, but she does because she can do it to God's glory and to help the church. Um some of the other things, uh, 
if the most frustrating thing is is people that come to you with problems that are clearly defined in the Bible of how to avoid, they haven't avoided them. Uh, see, you're, you're laughing with me because you, you get this. Ministers get this. Ministers do a lot of elder work, shepherding work. Uh, and they, uh, uh, you know, okay, well, this is what you, what we can do. And so they totally ignore your advice, which you're trying to take from Scripture and, and try to help them and work with them on this. And, and then they can't understand what's going, why it, it's going south. Why their relationships? Why their kids? Why their things? And it all, you know, we got an eighteen-year-old kid that's got problems. Well, it started eighteen years ago because your mindset wasn't on God, and you let all this other stuff in. And it's easy for anybody to sit back and say, "Well, I know why they're having these problems." I just wish you would have listened better to the preacher because he talked about this the last eighteen years many times. You know, mm -hmm. listen to the elder who was teaching the Bible class. Listen to the youth minister. Who, who wants to help you, who, who loves you as one of his own kind of thing. And um, that that's probably the most disappointing thing in ministry is is uh, we are suicidal by nature, I think, spiritually. Yeah. Well, and, and the challenge there lies in protecting that heart from becoming cynical, right? Yeah, right. Um, and I, I wrestled with that even with uh, benevolence and things, you know, mm -hmm. because you see so many people who you know are taking advantage of the system. Yeah. Like the hardest thing in the world is when that next person comes to not judge them by the last experience I had, but to allow each moment to be fresh mm -hmm. and, and objective, you know? Yeah. I have a problem with that, that, that say, yeah, the second guy gets treated worse than the first guy and the third guy's got no chance at all, you know, <laughs> or got, you know, kind of thing. And it, it's very uh, disheartening. Um, I'll say this, I don't have, we've been blessed and in, in, in that we can help financially anybody within the church. We, mm -hmm. we, we, there's a lot, we can do a lot. It's people come off the street with the sob stories and kind of thing, you know, um, that really <laughs> they're, they're, they're playing on your Christ likeness to get something that they're unable right. or unwilling to work for mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. You know, so we have a, we got some strict guidelines, kind of things. What we'll do and what we won't do, oh. and uh, and how we'll help, kind of thing. You know, we'll help with rent, uh, we'll help with your heating or your electric bill, whatever. You know, uh, if you need gasoline, okay, I'll give you a gift card to you know Fred Meyer's Kroger so you can get gas in your car, kind of thing. You're not leaving the building with cash in your pocket. You know, yeah. you're not. You know, these kind of simple kind of things to, you know. To kind of try to, uh, I don't know, try to keep it. I want to, I, I want to help, mm -hmm. but I'm not an ATM. I, I really, what I want to help you with. Let me help you with your spiritual life. You know, if it, if a tank of gas will will help, I, I'm willing to help there. I want to help there, but really, what I want to talk about is what's your relationship with God. You know, if, if Jesus comes tomorrow. Which side of the of the line are you a goat or a sheep? That's really my that's really right. my mindset on these things, and it's heartbreaking. It, it really is heartbreaking. You know, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, we're going to be here Sunday. I'm going to bring my my son. I think he would like the teenager class. You know, and you know, yeah. The, and that, the, the I told you so moment. I see that with my kids a lot. You know, it's like, hey, they got finals or we got tests coming up. It's like, when is your statistics test it's like oh it's not till thursday it's like 
you know it's Tuesday, right? And Thursday is just two days away. I was like, yeah, right. I'll study tomorrow. I'll study tomorrow. And then it's Wednesday night. Have you studied? Yeah, I should probably study. And then on Thursday, I didn't do so well on the test. It's like, yeah, I know, because I've been <laughs> telling you for a week to study. Yeah. And then finding it really hard to feel sorry for you. But at the same time, I care enough about you that I want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so and so finding that balance in in putting my own ego away and not saying I told you so and saying, OK, because they know. Right. I mean, they know when things haven't gone well, when they haven't followed advice. And well, so how do you prepare a road forward for reconciliation and improvement as opposed to just looking backwards and recognizing my failure? Right. Um, this is very important for elders that they have families and understand this dynamic mm-hmm. because the dynamic you have with the church is a lot like a relationship you have with a child. Absolutely. I, mean, um, I remember Ron mentioned that an older couple and he's in his thirties and they're in their sixties wanting advice on the physical aspect of marriage you know, and he was just blown away by this because, you know, I should be going to you for this advice, you know, because how long you've been married and, and this kind of stuff. And so this dynamic is can be really, um, it can really blow you away as an elder, you know, to get questions thrown at you from some senior member who should be eating steak and is still sucking on milk kind of thing, as Paul yeah. says. You know, wow, this blows me away, you know. Uh, Steve mentioned uh, something unique about the way Oregon City treats their deacons. Now I'm intrigued. Right. So am I. Well, this is uh, kind of, I don't, I think it's the way it's supposed to be, to be honest with you. So I don't call it unique. (laughs) I don't think anybody does anything because I don't think this is the way the Bible says to do it, but we're going to do it that way. Uh, Well, here, the problem's always been or, or has been in the past mm. in, in places that the preacher does the elders work, mm. right? The elders do the deacons work and the deacons don't know what they're doing, you know, what they're supposed to be doing, right? Well, years ago, I got to hear Rule Lemon speak. He came to Portland and spoke at Columbia Christian College and and I was a deacon at the time and he said something Rip. really important and Rule Lemons was the editor of... Uh, I think it was Gospel Advocate. Gospel Advocate, yeah. yeah. Okay. He said he said the deacon's job is to shovel the coal on the train, and the elder's job is to keep the train on the track. Hmm. And that really uh, has made an impact on me uh, as far as this relationship. You know, we have deacons that are responsible for their area. They have to turn in their budget. It's their job to stay within their budget. It's their job to get the job done. It's their job to enlist other members of the church to help them in their area of work. It's the elder's job to oversee. And if the deacon has a problem, he can come to the elders and we'll help you with that problem. But it's not my job to do the deacon's job. Hmm. It's the deacon's job to do their job and to learn how to delegate because probably from your pool of deacons eventually will come your elders. Now I look at ministers as deacons. Um, the word deacon, what well, is Greek just means what servant, servant right? right? So really that's why we're all deacons. We're all servants. You know, if, if but a cup of water kind of thing, we're all right. servants, 
but it's important within the church that people understand what what their responsibilities are. And so I, I don't know if that's unique or not. I, I just try to stay out of their way. I, I remember I had, with my rotating days off in my career, I uh, we had to take a tree down at church, and it was on my day off. And I got there, and the deacon in charge hands me a chainsaw and, and says, would you, I, I know you know how to run one of these, <laughs> would you do this, you know, kind of thing. And and I, I did. It was my job to be in submission to the deacon and deacons in charge of that. And so I, I, you know, chopped up, you know, cut, cut the tree into, you know, sections that we hauled off to a fellow that uh, burned wood in his home for his main source of heat. But, you know, I'm not the elder showing up to take over the job. I'm just, I'm just put me to work, put me to right. work. Where, where do you need me? You know, and he, and it was a nice chainsaw. It was like brand new. <laughs> the other members loan. I mean, that, that thing went through that tree, like a, you know, a hot knife through butter. It was, that was actually kind of fun to do that. But, but that's my job. What can I do when the deacon is in charge of something? What can I do? You know, what yeah. can I do? The deacon's in charge of Bible class. Well, where do you need me to teach this quarter? I, you know, what's open? What, do you, where do you need me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's my job, you know? Um, uh, it's an we, interesting uh, dynamic when you find yourself in that role, isn't it? Like yeah. I have people who will regularly, we have this Christmas project going and I've announced it for some people that are running it. And they're like, so they're coming to me and they're saying, Hey, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, these people need to be thinking I was just here as a participant, you know, right. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this not as a organizer, but they're so accustomed to seeing me as an organizer, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's just an interesting dynamic when you find yourself in a different role. Very rewarding too. I, I might add, I think for I, everyone, you know, I want to go to the Christmas caroling thing and I just want to sing that's all. I, I don't want to pick the music. I don't want to lead the music. I just want to sit in the back and be, I want to be bass. I just want to sing bass, you know, that's kind funny. of thing. Uh, I don't have to be in charge. You that's know, funny. I, I really connect with that because we'll do, uh, we do a, uh, like a Thanksgiving. No, I'm thinking we do like a back to school and mm-hmm. one of our deacons and his wife's kind of runs that and sets that whole thing up. And I'll tell you what, that's one thing that I've always been like some, sometimes our elders have asked, you know, well, do you guys want to, do you guys want to run that as a church staff, you know, and a part of me wants to go, yeah, give me, let me sink my teeth into it. Mm-hmm. But then I think like, well, you know, it's really nice just to show up to that. Mm-hmm. I know Scott and Angie are running that event. They've got the food. They're, they're, they're doing the talking up front. They're, they're doing everything. And I get to go and just sit at the table full of teens and do my job, which is to minister you know, yeah. uh, build those relationships, build that community. I don't have to worry about, you know, the programming, you know, so much of ministry ends up becoming programming yeah. uh, because we think, oh, well, he's the paid paid guy to do that. And so, right. you know, it's, it's nice to be able to go and really focus on the core part uh, of your job or of, of your ministry. Uh, and same thing for you, you know, you, you don't go to, to take over the event, you go to cut the tree and, and to shepherd the sheep. You know, and teachable moments, right? Yeah, talk about that on our show. Teachable moments. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I think so. I remember when Aaron he did an internship over at the Southwest Church of Christ, and they have such a neat program there because their their property is right next to the high school, and they had all these kids cutting through their property, shortcutting to school, and so they set up a breakfast program, 
and once a week they feed i don't remember how many is it aaron a couple hundred kids something like oh, that close to a thousand so i i went over i went over my hit on my day off their breakfast thing so aaron invited me and you know what i did i handed out hash browns mm -hmm. <laughs> to right. all these kids you want one or two you know kind of thing and uh what was really fun and interesting about it is Aaron, along with the youth minister, and, and I think there was another minister or two there, it was all the gray hairs uh -huh. were doing the serving. Uh -huh. They were out just rotating with the kids, talking with them, uh -huh. ministering and, and stuff. It's amazing how many kids and their families have been converted. Some of those kids have gone on to OC, you know, who, who maybe two years before it was all secular. I'm going to go to Oregon State. I'm going to go to Oregon. I'm going to go to Portland State, you know, whatever. Uh, now they're going, you know, I want to go to Oklahoma Christian. I want to go to a Christian college or university, you know, kind of thing. And it's just, it's just one of those things. But the old, old timers and the elders, they're just serving the food and letting the, letting the ministers do their thing, what, what they're good at. And that is. I remember there was a guy who came in. He was the first guy to show up uh, and his entire job was to crack eggs. And he cracked eggs for like two and a half hours straight like that's all he did he said this is he says aaron i, I want to show you my job and he grabbed two eggs he says i've gotten it down where i can do two at a time and he goes cracks it in a bowl throws the shells away and that's all he did the entire time of the breakfast he stood in the back room giant metal bowl and they kept switching it out because they would just make scrambled eggs and they wanted to make it with real eggs and not the box stuff and um, but yeah, I, that was uh, yeah. The breakfast was a was a unique and amazing ministry that Southwest put on for a long time. Yeah, was well, we? Uh, um, I don't mind going over it a little bit, but we're kind of running towards the end of where we normally cut off. I, I want to get to this aspect that I think is really crucial mm. and often misunderstood. Um, it even took me a considerable considerable amount of time in ministry to really get to appreciate. Um, the way elders, not only the way they serve the church, but the way they serve the minister. Mm. Um, you know, I like, I like to move. Um, when I have an idea and it's in my mind, I want to go and I want to run with it. Um, when I, when that idea comes, I've already got graphics in mind. I've got ideas. I've got themes. I've got lessons. I've got activities. Everything kind of comes and it's like, okay, well now I'm ready to go. So let's go. And then I take it to an eldership and they're like, uh, we need to talk about that. Hmm. Like, why do you need to talk about it? I mean, yeah. it's, this is this is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer to me because I have a different objective um, as a vision caster, as someone with with ideas like that. You know, I see things that they don't see. Right. And what what it took me a long time to appreciate was the fact that they also see things that I don't see. Mm -hmm. And because of the responsibility they have to the church as a whole. Um, not that I don't have that same responsibility, but it's, it's comes in a different form. Right. 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 And so, you know, elderships have so much more to consider instead of, yeah, this is a good idea. Run with it. They want to know how is it going to affect, you know, this body as a whole. And so, you know, waiting for that, it, it would, it just frustrated me. It got to a point where it's like, Hey, how come we can't be on the same page here? Mm -hmm. and then I was talking with with one of my one of my guys, and as as we kind of went through, I had asked for something. They said we're going to take that under advisement, and about six weeks later, they came to me and said, "Hey, go ahead and pull the trigger on that." And I said, "On what?" 
Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they said on this idea that you brought this to us and yeah, we're good to go. And I thought about it and I said, you know, that little project hadn't crossed my mind once in the last six weeks. Right. So, but they'd been chewing on it for six weeks and talking and kicking it around and everything. Right. Yeah. And, and so it kind of brought me to this realization that maybe the difference in, in the way that we move as ministers and as elders, that can be a really good check for me. Yeah. Is it just kind of a whim that's come to my mind that I've seen and I want to duplicate? Or is it really something that's heavy on my heart that I believe the spirit is calling me to lead this church in? Because mm -hmm. if I bring you uh, an idea and then the next week I'm like, hey, have you talked about it yet? And then three weeks later, have you talked about it yet? It's still yeah. like pressing. Uh, right. And it helps me gauge that. But if you come to me six or eight weeks later and say, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, and I hadn't thought twice about that since. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not necessarily as as intense as i thought it was so yeah that's, that's, that's definitely one of those things you know there's the old joke about how many elders does it take to change a light bulb change <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, that there's that that outs that's the outside looking in on the inside it's it's trying to figure out like you said big picture how's this mm -hmm. going to affect the church how's it going to be positive for the church is this what god wants us to do Mm. You know, a lot of things are somebody will come to me or come to the elders and, some, and we'll look at each other. And, yeah, do that. You know, do that. Mostly. And, and again, this is a unique thing. I want my deacons empowered enough to make enough decisions on their self that they're not actually asking permission to do everything. They're reporting about the success of what they've done. Yeah. And it's different for each congregation. You've got to understand your, your boundaries. Every church is different. You know, we have the same thought the same belief system, we'll put it that way. But how we do it, what we do, and how we get there, oh, man, that runs the gambit uh, with how many elders you have and what kind of elders you have and what's their background. And it's just what works in one place doesn't work necessarily in another place. And, and I'll just say one more thing, too. Elders shouldn't get in a room and, and cast votes on yes or no. You know, how many want to do Josh's program? Okay, three, four, and two against. Okay, Josh. No, elders need to reach consensus. Right, they need to reach consensus. Uh, it, it, if if you're doing, if a church is doing the voting thing, you're you're dividing the church, you know, kind of thing. It's kind of funny. I used to go and talk with one elder in particular because not because we agreed on everything, but because he was not related to me through marriage. So I'd always talk with this elder and get his because I didn't want to just be talking to my father-in-law, my uncle-in-law, whoever I was very close with. I talked to this guy because he was a little bit difficult to get close to, but I felt that there was this appearance that I wasn't trying to always get my way. So I'd go, well, what do you think of this? Mm -hmm. I've got this idea, you know, kind of thing. And we'd talk, and he, boy, he'd grill me, but I needed to be, you know, kind of, uh, kind of thing. So, you know, I, that's just something from a personal aspect, you know, kind of thing. No, absolutely. It's uh, it's really important. And Jonathan, you know, he pulled some stuff out of the, this is like real story conference material here. Right. That's what um, I was thinking. You know, dreamers need room to dream. Um, you know, and those who ask how are we going to do that are important. Um, and then talking about just the, the importance of both of those being a part of the process, very different parts of the process. But I need people to come in and say, hey, I love your vision. I love your dream. I love your passion. However, have you thought about the logistics? Because yeah. most of the time, I have not. 
uh, because my mindset is we'll get there and I'll figure it out. It's going right. to work out. Uh, and we need those people to come along and say, hey, this is a great idea, but let's pull the reins here just a minute and let's actually consider some long term, you know, effects, some details. Um, and sometimes my wife does that for me, but really more often than not, it's it's my eldership. Right. Um, and it's taken some time for me to mature to get to the point where I can actually appreciate uh, the pace at which they move as opposed to allowing it to kind of frustrate me and make me want to not bring anything to them. You know, like I'll just well, do it and ask for forgiveness later. And that's, that's why you're not the right way to go. You know, you want the deacon shoveling the coal because they're going to do it fast. <laughs> they want to get stuff done, you know, kind of thing. And I, and this, you know, but don't you want to keep them on the rails? Nothing runs off the rails, you know, so that's right. keep them on the rails, but don't discourage deacons or anyone else who wants to serve. Don't discourage them from serving. Yeah. Uh, you know, get out of their way elders, if you can, and just, just keep them focused on the prize and, and things will be okay. Absolutely. Guys, I appreciate, uh, all your, uh, all your input, Aaron, you got a, uh, you got a moment for us today behind the beards moment. And then yeah, you can sign I, <laughs> I think our, uh, I think our behind the beards moment is just this, um, it's just this idea that, you know, elders are people too. Um, <laughs> elders are not perfect. No. Um, uh, but it's also this idea of, of, I think it goes back for me to that, that Moses moment. That um, sometimes we wait too long for to listen to God's calling. Uh, mm -hmm. God is calling you to serve. Uh, he's always been calling you to serve, uh, mm -hmm. and He's been calling us uh, to these roles. And there's there's a straight up fact, right? There's a there's a fact that we need preachers, we need youth ministers, we need elders, and we need deacons. Uh, and there is a famine of men. Uh, and people willing to serve in these roles. And I think a lot of time it's because we are putting a deaf ear to where God is truly calling us to serve. Uh, I know Pepperdine Lectures uh, and Pepperdine University is making a, a huge effort to reach out for the next gen preacher search, uh, you know, and all sorts of stuff like that, because there is a shortage of people wanting to go into ministry. And rarely do we talk about you know, a shortage of, of people and men uh, who are willing to serve as elders and shepherds. And so um, my behind the beard moment is, is to really take that time and consider what is God calling you to do? Where is he really calling you to serve? It's great Amen. that you serve in, in your ministry, but maybe he's calling you to really serve the church. Uh, and like my dad said, if you're not willing to wash feet, maybe it's not the calling for you. Uh, because that's a lot of what ministry is and a lot of what being an elder is. Mm -hmm. um, but, hey, we want to thank you guys for being here today. We really do appreciate it. We love you all. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns or anything, advice or anything like that, you can email us. You can reach us out on any of our social media. But we're glad that you're here live with us today. And we want to remind you of something really important to us. It's Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good. Uh, this world is messy. Life is messy. So... Do something different. Allow a Christ to use you uh, and do something good in his name. I'm Aaron. This is Josh and my dad, Steve, joining us today. And we will see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard. A man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. 
We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for.